0: Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life, underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to Season 4 of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. For those of you that follow our family journey, you know that my son Skylar started Spelling to Communicate about three years ago, and it has dramatically changed all of our lives and our understanding of Skyler's intelligence and all that he knows. So I was thrilled to have the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with J.B. Handley who wrote a book about his journey with his son with autism and how spelling entered their lives. And that book has also inspired a documentary uh, regarding spelling to communicate. So let me introduce uh, my guest a little more formally. So J.B. Handley is the best-selling author of How to End the Autism Epidemic and the co-author of Underestimated, an Autism Miracle, which he wrote with his now 21-year-old son, Jamie. Their book, Underestimated, inspired the new full length documentary, Spellers, which challenges the conventional wisdom of experts that non speakers with autism are cognitively disabled. The film blends beautiful cinematography with heart wrenching stories of eight spellers and provides a strong message for every parent of a non speaker your child can do this too. Spellers also demands that teachers, schools, and therapists wake up to the reality that we may have underestimated the abilities of more than 50 million people worldwide. J.B. is an honors graduate of Stanford University and lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife Lisa and their three children. So please enjoy this very informative conversation, um, one that I am just so excited to have had with J.B. Hanley. Before the episode starts, I want to give a quick note, uh, something JB mentions early on. He talks about biomedical intervention. And for our family, one of the things that keeps Skylar from being able to spell and control his body is when his stomach and his digestion is all out of control. One of the things that I have found helps Skylar so much is Simple Spectrum Nutritional Support Supplement. It's an easy scoop of odorless, tasteless, dissolvable powder that we add to his apple juice twice a day, and he really actually enjoys it. It doesn't have any flavor, so he doesn't know that he's getting all the nutrients that he needs. As his loving caregiver, I personally appreciate that I don't have to worry about his sensitive digestive system tolerating simple spectrum, because there are no hidden ingredients like gluten, casein, added sugar, soy, binding agents, artificial colors... Preservatives or GMOs. The makers of Simple Spectrum have offered my listeners a discount code, which is Laurie20. That's L-A-U-R-I-E two zero. So enter that code in when you visit simplespectrumsupplement.com and place your order. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Skylight. My guest today is J.B. Hanley, which his name has been out and about a lot lately uh, with his movie Spellers. So we're going to get into that. Uh, but welcome to the podcast, J.B.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm pleased to be here.
0: Thank you for taking the time. Um, I kind of just want to go right back to, before the movie uh, to your book. Underestimated was recommended to me uh, when my son Skyler started Spelling. And um, just throughout your book, you talk a lot about the journey that you and your family took with Jamie all the years, um, trying to develop communication method of some kind. Can you kind of give a little overview of all the methods you've gone through prior to getting to spelling and, and just kind of the path that you've taken as a
1: family? You know, it's funny, like, we so, you know, probably a lot of your listeners, I don't know, are biomed families. Um, we definitely are and Mm -hmm. were meaning that we spent most of our time and energy on trying to fix jamie's body right whether he was poisoned by toxins or overloaded with viruses or whatever it was that was happening to him it seemed to be the case that certain things we did made him appear better you know pulled gluten out of his diet all of a Mm -hmm. sudden better etc so we were biomed i mean i still remember trying to squirt um Cod liver oil in Jamie's mouth when he was like two, and he like spit it all over me, and I was like, "This is going to be a long road," um, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. And
1: um, so, but I, I I actually think, and and so I say this to like the biomed parents who are listening that um, there were certain things about that mindset that um, that sort of proved to be inaccurate and and not to Jamie's benefit, namely. Um, I sort of had this magical view that as soon as we got his body like right, everything would just sort of line up and he just would start talking and flowing and recover, right? He would recover. Mm-hmm. And and so we were always sort of chasing that that recovery. But w- within that, what what I failed to see was that the words coming out of his mouth and what was happening in his brain were not the same thing. And what I, you know, if he talks a little more, then it's showing he has more cognition, right? I was very linear in terms of viewing those things as being heavily related. And so when you ask the question about communication, I think that's the area that, that we fell down on the most as parents and really kind of seeded that to experts. So Jamie did ABA, uh, he went to an autism school. Um, They gave him an AAC device that he carried around where he could like hit little pictograms. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
1: you know, we just sort of figured, well, you know, as if we just keep focusing on the biomed, he'll get better. And maybe someday the two will converge and then we'll be having conversations with our child. So we're not a great model in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, many of your listeners probably now appreciate um, the beautiful and in simple term, the presumption of competence, which,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is a, really a way of saying that when you when you see somebody who's a non speaker with autism and they have all these mannerisms, and you've sort of been taught to, to say, well, I'm looking at someone with a low IQ. Um, how about don't? How about mm-hmm. presume they're intelligent? And we didn't do that with our own son, so um, we didn't approach communication. Uh, In retrospect, the way that I wish we had, we've spent now over three years since going on the spelling journey, making up for lost time, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, when I meet a parent of a nine, 10, 11 year old um, and can just explain to them this notion of the presumption of competence, because it, it seeps into everything. You know, anybody who's listening who has a non-speaker knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, Jamie and I travel a lot, just the two of us. I'm married. I have two other kids. But Mm -hmm. just because of the nature of our life, um, he and I tend to be alone, traveling much more than any other members of our family. Uh, We go back to his brother's lacrosse games in Philadelphia. We go down to Don Marie in San Diego. Whatever. We're always on the road together. It used to be very lonely for me to be on the road with Jamie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and it's not anymore, and two things changed. One, he can now communicate with me very effectively on a keyboard so I could have a conversation with my son, but as importantly is my own mindset towards him. And so when we're out and about, I'm telling him about everything, and not in baby talk terms, but adult terms, and I'm talking about politics or what's going on in this country or that building over there or the stock market, whatever it might be that I happen to be thinking about, I'm in conversation with my son now because I presume competence in him and know how intelligent he is, and um, it's amazing how much that's kind of just changed our changed our day to day. So I know I've I've veered pretty far from the original question, but I wanted to make sure that people realize that you know my wife Lisa and I do not exactly hold ourselves out as role models for presuming competence and <laughs> right. the way that um, we interacted with Jamie before we were exposed to the spelling to communicate.
0: And is Jamie is Jamie nineteen or is he? No,
1: Jamie will be twenty. Jamie will be twenty-one in August. Okay, that's right. I knew he was
0: close in age to my Mm -hmm. son. My son just Mm -hmm. turned twenty, and you know, you didn't really veer from the question because I feel like it's the same thing for us. When we started spelling about three years ago, I I was so blown away at first when he actually spelled that. Um, I think you kind of reference it in the book and in the movie, but. I immediately felt so guilty, and I know one of the parents mentions it in the movie that I I didn't know about this before, and I don't think it was around really a long time. Um, but I just I feel bad of all the years I wasted with the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, with the diets, with the all the different therapies that weren't working, but I didn't know what else to do, and I just kept him in them. Um, and I feel I feel like I need to apologize to him all the time that it's taken yeah. me so long to find spelling and that's the method that works for him and that he is so smart. I probably treated him like he was five years old because his mannerisms are that way. And I just assumed that maybe his cognition level was the same age as that. Yeah.
1: Well, so I have a few reactions to your comments. Um, I certainly went through the same guilt. Absolutely. I felt awful and, and, you know, sobbing, crying, lying with Jamie apologizing to him right I mean so trust me I've been it's it's grief
2: uh-huh. and shame
1: right shame and grief I'd say were the were the feelings that overwhelm me um the mantra of no better do better is very healing for uh-huh. me because because in my heart I, I know that I've been given this my, my best from kind of day one right uh-huh. I, I just am who I am. But I'm positive, like if I got taken out tomorrow, Jamie knows that like, I have tried to run through the tape for you, dude, you know, and my other kids know, and my wife the same way, like you know, um, you know, my older son made me feel really good the other day. he he's like a big shot lacrosse player, and he does interviews and stuff because he's kind of famous in his own world and, <laughs> and and he said he said, you know, when my brother got diagnosed with autism, my family didn't blink, and that was like, thank you, you know what I mean like And now I know better. And so I do better. And so I I just find some comfort in that. And I give that I give that same permission to other parents. Um, But two other things I wanted to mention that your words um, caused me to think of. Number one, and this is a little arrogant of me, and maybe it's not scientifically true, but it seems to be true. I feel like the biomed kids are, are really regulated, like just the ones that I've seen, you know, and I don't want to like draw some boundary between me and a parent who didn't pursue biomed. That sounds really rude, but Jamie's super regulated. His buddy Cade, who's been through tons of HBOD is super regulated. And maybe it's not true for all the kids who've done biomed, but I think biomed helps with regulation and regulation helps with spelling. And so I don't, you know, I was in that HBOT chamber with Jamie too, and I don't view those as wasted time and he's a very, Jamie's a very healthy, robust human being and, which was always confusing to me because it's like, if he's so damn healthy, why can't he talk? And it's like, oh, because he got his motor cortex damaged and I don't know why, but there's a motor thing, you know and so he is robust and healthy and I think a lot you know we've always been gluten free and sugar free and all these things. Well I think they've I think they've benefited Jamie greatly. So I, I you know, I'd say give yourself some grace on that. I don't know that you you wasted the time, you know. Um, the great news is like the catch up on spelling is pretty quick, you know, with all, you know, know, like now Jamie's spelling the, the final thing that I want to say, um, is that I have been, I've had the pleasure of getting to know many, many non-speakers now, many the amount of gratitude that is in these amazing beings is, Mm -hmm. is, is really, it's humbling because I don't think we can ever really imagine what it's like to be them. We can try, but you and I are sitting here talking and we grew up and, you know, I just don't think it's possible for me to know what it's really like to be Jamie, but to have to have been Jamie and to have such grace and gratitude on the other side of it, it's just, it's an amazing thing. And um, he's, you know, you know, when people say those things, oh, how do they know, or this or that? I mean, these are the most observant human beings on planet Earth, right? And this makes sense just like biologically. They've been they've had one of their sort of senses or whatever you want to call it, abilities taken away from them. We know that when people are blind, they their other senses have, you know,
2: mm-hmm. massively
1: developed to offset that in ways that, that you and I, if we can see, we can't appreciate what they're going through. It's no different with these, with these kids and adults, they're keen, 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 highly sensitive observers to everything that's going on around them. And they absorb a tremendous amount of information. I mean, Jamie's Spanish is very good. We drilled drilled my older son and my daughter in Spanish for years in the living room and Jamie was sitting there. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like not that shocking. And, you know, how do they spell well you know in jamie's case he did aba therapy i mean he was exposed to words like every day it wasn't like he wasn't in school yeah so um you know it stands to reason that they would they would absorb that So um so yeah you know i i one of the things about the um the guilt you know uh, there's a lot of guilt in autism with parents you know on many different levels for you know depending on how you feel about causation Heck, even if you think it's completely genetic, it's kind of your fault. If you think Mm -hmm. it's environmental, it's kind of your fault. So, like, there's a lot of guilt going on in autism for everybody. And I do think that, um, you know, there were, like, so many people that I called right after Jamie started spelling who were, like, friends of mine in the biomed community. And and they had a really wide range of reactions. Some, like, hung up with me and called a practitioner (laughs) five minutes later. Yeah. Some said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 12 months later, they hadn't even opened my book yet, you know. And then some of those late bloomers finally got on board, and now they're singing like the miracle. And, 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 and so it led me to think, like, God, why is there such a difference? Some of it is just who we are as individuals and how we process information. But I think a, I think a huge one, it's it's sort of this combination of, like, fear of hope, Totally normal, especially if your kid's older. And then also just fear of shame, like just fear of like, you know, your it's like your psyche does it. You don't do it like, but it's like your psyche says, bro, if this is true, we're going to feel really shitty about ourselves. You know, Mm
2: -hmm. I don't think
1: I want to take that on right now. I'm out. You know, I mean, I think that that happens, you know, again, not at a, not at a conscious level, but at a subconscious level. And, you know, I would just you know, I would just tell any parent, you know, like, Hey, you know, no better, do better. Right. Mm-hmm. We're just all just no better, do better. And, and they will, they will thank you. You will feel guilty and you will feel like shit. And then you will get through that. I'm through that. I'm through yeah. that. Does it I'm still linger? Sure. But like, I've got, I've processed that grief. I've sought Jamie's apologies. I've heard directly from him on how he feels about it all. And I've done the soul searching to say, was I giving it my best each day, each hour, each week with him? And the answer is yeah. Yeah. Within Mm -hmm. what I understood. So,
0: yeah. Was it um, a joint decision to write the book and to then pursue this this film about spelling? I mean, did Jamie weigh in and say, do this, mm -hmm. Dad?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the book, I definitely pushed the book but I wouldn't have done it without Jamie's support because that was a medium that for me was like the most comfortable. Um, but he was obviously, he was on board and mm-hmm. and then we figured out a way, you know, we went back and forth about how you know, he writes a chapter, I write a chapter or, or what we ended up with like me telling the story and him doing like a Q and A at the yeah, end.
0: I liked that.
1: Um yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, honestly, writing chapters for Jamie at that stage, I mean, it would have been really, really, really tedious and laborious. It was like he, he's an incisive communicator almost by necessity. And so mm-hmm. it made more sense to go the Q&A route. Um, the movie was 100 percent him. And what was happening was we were and I talk about this in the book, you know, this was kind of during like um you know, see lockdown mania or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and and so we were, we were on Zoom with all these other non-speakers in this like dude bro group that met once a week. And um, it was Jamie's first opportunity to develop friendships. It was beautiful, right? I mean, it's a beautiful thing, something I never thought would happen. And here he is making these connections and then we'd physically be able to see some of them once in a while and stuff. But Jamie had this growing sense of of community. And so with him, the the movie idea was really me and my homies, right? Yeah. I want to tell this collective story, not just my story's been told. There's a book. You can go read it. Um, And honestly, I think he's a little uncomfortable that we still sort of emerge in the movie as maybe a little bit more central because like, you know, my wife is interviewed my older son is interviewed my dad is interviewed you know and it's like Jamie like no 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 this is not about Jamie this is about a bunch of the non speakers because a and this is a real theme that like elizabeth who's in the movie at the end mm-hmm. this this whole like so Jamie Jamie hates the subtitle of the book right it's underestimated an autism miracle right he hates the he doesn't even <laughs> like the word autism yeah. but he really doesn't like the word miracle because miracle implies like one in a billion miracle implies like moonshot miracle implies lucky and i totally agree with him i mean it's sort of like the publisher liked the title um i totally agree and i understand his point because you know you ask a dina johnson or a don marie what their hit rate is like in terms of teaching non-speakers to spell and they're like pretty much a hundred percent yeah ten. it's only a miracle because like you didn't expect it it's not an actual mirror a miracle is like a guy climbs out of a deathbed you know so Mm -hmm. um so yeah the movie was was really all jamie and the movie i mean it took like two and a half years and there were all these stops and starts and there's like a bunch of people who didn't want to see it made and it has like a lot of in it behind the scenes there's all this drama that I think is so stupid and it's
0: sad. It's so sad,
1: you know? Yeah. I, you know, I, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, we, we filmed people who then said that we, I don't want to be in the movie, you know, and yeah, it was meant to, it was meant to appear, you know, here, I'll tell you a quick story. Cause I, I, this makes me giggle. We had some people and I will never name them publicly right. who we interviewed who then said we don't want to be in this movie and they pulled the ripcord pretty late in the process uh which was a bummer but the scene where they talk about biggie and tupac only exists because they did that and i think it's the most compelling scene in the whole movie We
0: cracked up and sky that, those are two of skyler's favorite artists and songs and stuff so he was he we took him to the movie and he was watching and there were certain points where he looked away and then he would smile i mean because i know he's listening and he understands everything that's going on but he loved it and the song at the end was like (laughs) well i'll tell you about
1: that too but but yeah so the the biggie tupac scene again we we filmed it because we ran out of content right we needed to fill these people who had pulled the plug on us but you know i'm not going to spoil it for people but What happened was unexpected, right? It just showed
0: their personalities. That's what I love And if you think
1: about it, it's really the only part of the movie where it shows two non-speakers having a social dynamic between them. Yeah, just a bro conversation. (laughs) Yeah, and it was really unfortunate when I thought about it because Jamie spends a lot of time now mingling with other non-speakers. There's a lot like like Cade and Evan Mm
2: -hmm. who are
1: both in the movie. Those are two of Jamie's best friends. He physically is with them often in San Diego hanging around. And it was like, wow, what a shame we haven't shown, like how normal, they're, these are just teenage dudes mm-hmm. out with their bros. And so the fact that we were able um, to give a little flavor of that to the movie was yeah. was really awesome. And then um, the artist um, who actually has two songs in the film, including if you listen closely at the end, a, a song that he recorded explicitly for the movie. Yep. Um, that is so. I have I have three children. Jamie has an older brother, Sam, who's in the movie. Um, I always forget that people know my family because like, they're yeah, there. The book. Creating, <laughs> I feel like I know.
2: <laughs> know like,
1: Yeah. They're... Um, anyway, uh, that artist is one of Sam's best friends, and oh, okay. um, not only that, um, there are there are certain. So the artist's name is Suede.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the individual behind the artist, his name is Wade. Right, Wade is one of Sam's best friends. <laughs> there are a handful of people in the world, and I was not one of them. I am now, um, but I had to be taught, who um instinctively treat non-speakers with autism with a presumption of competence. Mm-hmm. There aren't many of them, but they exist. And Wade is one of them. And so, um Wade and Jamie have always had a very special bond because of Wade's warmth and his humanity and the way that he treated Jamie from day one. Mm-hmm. And Wade has a he, you know, he speaks stylistically, like, what's up, Jamie? You know, like, like, like just really treated him like one of the guys. And um Jamie will, um will show his love for certain people physically. So, you know, if you're there and like, he puts his arm around you and starts squeezing on you, he's letting you know, like, hey, you're, you're part of my inner circle. And he won't do that to someone who has not earned that right. And Wade earned it years ago. So he was such the obvious person to lend uh music to this movie and so the the montage with Don Marie and her sons is a wade song and then at the end he he sings about the spellers and and you know he was profoundly moved by everything that's happened with Jamie and you know if you go on the spellers movie website um we we detail a cast and Jamie wrote a note about wade on there that i think meant the world to wait so it's it's super special for us to have him involved he's like an extended member of our family and then um just the way he's always treated jamie has been so special
2: and honestly the filmmaker
1: the filmmaker that that um i chose to do this whose name is pat Nataro, uh pat's the same way he's one of those people who presumed competence without anybody having to tell him Mm -hmm. he's been surfing with non-speakers for over a decade giving them surf lessons um and uh you know it, it it's really important that that the person directing the movie because pat's sitting off camera in every scene you see pat is right off camera in and you can hear his voice sometimes is he you the one asking the, the questions yeah, Some yeah of the totally. questions. okay yeah. yeah yeah kind of has a socal drawl and um he appears for a moment in that biggie Tupac scene because they catch him kind of mid-stream. But um to to I mean it's it's nerve-wracking. You got cameras right in your face, and there's lights and all this stuff, and, and he's this like super comforting presence because of um the way he treats these kids. Mm-hmm. You, know? well, you
0: you can tell Jamie that I did not think that there was an overwhelming abundance of your family in it. I mean, it was it was very well done, and each family was represented. Really Good. well and and Good. I've had um actually Sid's mom on my podcast before and so I knew them and um and it just each I mean just like all of our kids are unique anyway each of their stories and the way that they spell everything is unique um one of the things that caught me with Sid is that he's a lot like my Skylar where he doesn't look at the board and I'm just fascinated that he knew what he was spelling and he's not looking at the letters and I'm just well, like how is he doing that
1: so yeah I think you're raising a topic that um, I do always try to bring up when I do these interviews, which is um, ocular apraxia. Mm
2: -hmm. So,
1: you know, that's a fancy way of saying, can't make my eyes go where I want them to. Yep. And um, almost no autism parent is informed of this issue at any point by any expert.
2: Yeah. I, didn't and even most know
1: non, I can. I think I can generalize that most non-speakers who are obviously suffering from apraxia, meaning the inability to speak, are also suffering from ocular apraxia. So, you know, imagine having a letter board laid out in front of you and you want to hit these letters to, to spell your needs and you can't get your damn eyes to go where finger. you want them to go. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right, and so, um, but there's a therapy for that, right? Like you can you can meaningfully improve your ability to move your eyes through therapy, because what will happen is, as you do exercises, you'll develop these pathways that didn't previously exist in your brain. The simple analogy that everybody seems to get is a stroke victim. Mm-hmm. If a stroke victim can regain the ability to move a limb, then a non-speaker can improve the ability to move their eyeballs. And they do. And um, for example, Don Marie down in San Diego, who is our primary mm-hmm. um, spelling therapist, um, she now is locked in tight with a very, very progressive um, ophthalmologist. Yep. And that and woman aware. does, <laughs> yeah, that woman <laughs> does um, heavy evals, mm-hmm. identifies issues, and and gives therapies to improve the eyes and what what manifests out of that is that different children work with different kinds of boards that kind of fit their particular profile um obviously eye movement jamie jamie had many ocular issues and we worked with a woman named dana johnson who's also in the movie we actually did all kinds of ocular therapy online with her that was great and he's massively improved his ability to get his eyes from up here to down there. But he still uses technique sometimes. He'll still have to kind of lock in, lock in, lock yeah. in, make it across the board. You know things that. And all you have to do if you're curious about your kids like ocular apraxia, just take a pencil, put it you know maybe six eight inches from their face, ask him to follow it and move it really slowly, and just mm-hmm. watch their
2: eyes. Yeah. They'll
1: understand your command. Yeah. They probably won't be able to do it. Jamie certainly, certainly yeah. couldn't. So the reason that I wanted to give that whole monologue is um, in the, in the case of Sid, and I'm not going to, like Vaish, who's Sid's mom can answer mm-hmm. these question directly, yep. but it is my understanding that he's actually looking out of the very corner of his eyes. Oh, I'm sure. And, and that for him to gaze away is how he's seeing it because of his own ocular issues it's also my understanding. I don't think Vi, I know Vice personally. Obviously, yeah. she lives here mm-hmm. in Portland, so she's been Jamie's teacher, and she's a she's a simply a remarkable woman, to, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Sid's been going to DM and is actually massively more fluent than the child you saw in the movie. So he's mm-hmm. had great gains in his own right. Like it's kind of funny. Like so, like Maddie, who you saw spell on a on a laminate, she's yeah. now on a fixed keyboard. Jamie, you saw at the very end on a mounted keyboard. Mm-hmm. He's now two hands on a flat keyboard. Like, oh, nice. They're all still moving. Like this was well, just, yeah. a... or Aiden, who you met at the beginning, you saw him in like his first lesson. Well, he's cranking now. He's like on a keyboard, like <laughs> way better than that kid. And we were like, gosh, should we should we go back and film every kid like where they are now? And And we just sort of said, you know what? Like, we sort of purposely have it like an arc of mastery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So like, let the skeptic pick apart, you know, Aiden's session. Let them wonder about Sids, and then wait a minute, Maddie seems pretty clean, and oh, Cade's on a keyboard. Wait, Jamie's on a mounted like, you know, like yeah. deal with the totality of this as we go through the arc of what's possible. And you know, so we decided not to go back and do all these like before and afters, but but. I think people should know that, like, every kid in that movie is now even more masterful with spelling than they were when they were filmed.
0: Well, I'm sure you just having those peers motivates each of them to, you know, oh, God, to step it up. I mean, oh, no, it's crazy.
1: Funny. So, so um, I, I don't want to give Jamie too much credit, but I think partly because he's just really regulated and has pretty good fine motor, mm-hmm. uh, the leap to the keyboard for us was like instant. Right. By the way, for those of you who are deep into spelling, so going from holding a laminate to holding a keyboard, there was no time required between those. I was all panicked, like, oh, we're switching to QWERTY. He's going to, like, no, he, it was literally like I was holding the laminate and then I put it down and I held the keyboard and nothing changed. He just cranked, right? So we had no interruption of flow, no need to, like, gain or whatever it was like zero big deal all of a sudden i'm just holding a keyboard and by the way as a crp holding a keyboard that generates output into an ipad that they hit return for it's so much easier to be relaxed as a crp so if you're like all uptight because you're holding that laminate and you're like trying to spell i still
0: shake when i'm holding it yeah totally
1: yeah (laughs) by the way parents or whoever's a crp listening keyboard is like 10 times easier just letting you know so and it's and once once they've mastered the laminate where they can just like basically flow, just mm-hmm. put a keyboard, just put a keyboard in front of them. Trust right. me, it'd be totally fine. Going from a held keyboard to a mounted keyboard was the hardest thing we ever did. It took so much longer than becoming open in the first place with Jamie to get from a held from me holding the keyboard to it being in a mount. I mean, the first few times we tried to spell off a mounted board, he just like stared at the board. I was like, why
0: Why is that? Did he say, or do you know, like what the challenge? So, has?
1: so take a kid, like they're on training wheels and now they're just on the two wheels on the bike, but you've still sort of got your hands on either side of them and they look and they see the comfort of that. And so they're totally fine and you're not even physically touching them, but then you're just like no longer there. And they just,
2: splat. <laughs>
1: you know, like, why did that happen? Yeah. And so it's it's energetic, it's psychological, and it's probably something that goes beyond our ability to understand.
0: So much how, independence, how, you know. How
1: breaking that union
0: mm-hmm.
1: can be so challenging. And but you know, so Jamie, Jamie was super stubborn about it, right? I'm gonna figure this out. It just, it required so many hours of typing known words, right? Just like we had to build so many different, for whatever reason, myelinated pathways than had previously existed. I mean, it was probably six months of like, I I hired like two outside people just to like sit there and spell words with him. I'm like, we're at the driving range we need to hit 10,000 balls. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And and he finally just broke through and now he can type on a mounted board, which, by the way, jumping to a different topic, the ASHA statement that we tackle in the movie, you know, Mm -hmm. this American Speech Hearing Association that
2: completely
1: threw a wet blanket on spelling, more than a wet blanket, that doesn't even begin, like like basically like stepped on the necks of all these non-speakers with this statement they put out there because it's used against people everywhere in court, in school, wherever. It's horrifying. Mm -hmm. I hope we can attack it legally. Mm -hmm. I hope everyone behind that statement is ashamed of themselves. I think they should all be Metaphorically stoned and dragged through the
2: streets.
1: (laughs) There were gas.
0: There were gas in the movie theater. In the movie theater, when we watched the movie, there were gas. People were so upset.
1: They should be publicly humiliated for the damage they've done to these Mm -hmm. non-speakers, as if these non-speakers haven't been kicked around enough. So, I don't have enough bad things to say about Asha. And some people are like, "Well, we have to approach them carefully." I'm like, "Fuck, why?" (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Pardon my French for those of you who can't hear that. Why are um, we
0: dancing around them? What do they have totally, to do with anything? Yeah. Totally.
1: It's 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 crazy. Anyway, embedded in the Asha statement is an acknowledgement that a mounted board is reliable communication. That's where okay, so Jamie knows that, right? So he's like, we're getting to a mounted board. So he has um you know, largely out of stubbornness. The way this part of our conversation started was you mentioned, you know, non-speakers seeing other non-speakers. And so, you know, we're down in San Diego a lot. There's a lot of non-speakers cruising through Don Marie's clinic and they see Jamie working on a mounted board and guess what they say? I want to do that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, who
1: doesn't want their own independent communication anyway? Mm -hmm. And so there's a little revolution going on. You know, some of the Eastern groups never push the kids to independent spelling. And I don't know why, and I'm not going to cast judgment, but I am an advocate of trying to move towards removing the CRP from the mix. Not prematurely, Mm -hmm. not prematurely, not for everyone, because I don't think everyone can get there, but whenever possible, we're trying to get to independence so that they can be as much like you and I as possible. I think that's the moral
2: appropriate
1: thing to do so there's kind of a mini revolution even within spelling going on of like moving towards this independence and i personally think it guts asha's statement because you know um as you experienced and alluded to earlier aba therapists are very fond of citing science they're really fond of citing science from the 70s which is absolute shit science and they don't Mm -hmm. even know it. never actually read it Mm -hmm. um but they've been taught that it means that ABA is a good thing. Right. And so um, the only thing, the the only
0: only thing. thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. And and if you actually read the science and then quiz them on it, you would realize they have no idea what it even says. Anyway. um, If people start popping out of wheelchairs and walking, who demands the science? Mm -hmm. Like, Who cares? Like, so, so if a mounted board is reliable communication, but the person on the mounted board got there through a method that you've repudiated, maybe you ought to look at that again, Mm -hmm. said differently, just because there's training wheels required, if they're ultimately riding the bike, who cares? And so we've like cut these kids off at the knees when they actually can get to the standard of ASHA for reliable communication, if you give them enough time that to me is the core embarrassment of Asha's statement and um my big thing is science schmyans let's have as many people popping out of wheelchairs as possible because mm-hmm. how many jamies do you need right do you need 5 10 15 like what's the number and and by the way jamie's only in like the 90th percentile there are other kids who are spelling even more independently than he is right and so I'm actually talking to some scientists. Let's just do a case series. Just explain a bunch of these like non-speakers and they all got there through some either RPM or S2C. Mm -hmm. They all got there through that process. So let's just explain where they are. You know, is that a valid form of communication? Yes. Okay. Can you please ask them how they got there? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, it was through this method and holding the board and, and then it's like, what else do we need? Why are we still talking about this?
0: I don't know. I think it's, you know, there's so many frustrating things because, you know, a lot of the naysayers are like, well, you're saying what you think they want to say. I am not touching my, my adult, my child. I'm not doing anything. These are their thoughts. And that's one of the things that I liked so much about the movie. And even in your book, when Jamie talks so much like to his brother. And I mean, one of the parts of your book that just made me drop to tears was him recognizing the nickname that you two have for each other when you're in the car and you're listening to music. Um, and he named that. And there is no way Don Marie or whoever it was that was spelling with him knew any of those things. There's no way possible that a spelling partner can know those facts. And right. I have, I'm not testing my kid, but I've asked Skylar things that nobody could know other than him being around us. And yeah. he's answered perfectly. And I know,
1: I know it, you know, I, I find myself getting caught up in the, like, you know, wanting to defend that it's really them
0: or prove it. And, and I, I don't have to prove it, that. you yeah. know,
1: and they're, they're not trained monkeys. Um, In my case, We have hundreds of examples of conflict resolution with Jamie by using the board, right? Extreme agitation. What's going on, Jamie? This is the problem. Okay, let's resolve it. Now he's fine. Like completed loops, right?
0: That's what I want to get to. (laughs) Hundreds upon hundreds
1: upon hundreds upon hundreds of examples of completed. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything else. Yeah. I've had a million. Examples of him saying things that me or someone else couldn't have possibly, possibly known. Do I think that early spellers can be influenced by their CRP? Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but um, over time, and, you know, again, again, like, so I think one of the funny ones, so, so some of the haters are like, you know, they see the kids on the, on the boards um, on like the mounted boards. Right. And, and like, you know, you saw in the movie, Don Marie in particular sitting next to Jamie. Well, and if you saw like, like Jamie had actually written in that session where it's just like the two of them um, and he's on a mounted board He'd written tons. I mean, we only showed like a fraction yeah. of the movie. You
0: could see the you sentence.
2: Could sort of the
1: read movie. the board and see all the other things he had said. Mm-hmm. And that session was like two hours long, right? And and DM Dun Marie. She was like, I'm not gonna move, I'm not gonna move my body, right? Because I know that every hater in the world is gonna pay close attention. And if so if you watch her, she's very still while he's spelling and you know we have 2 and hours and she
0: leans back too yeah exactly like, she, like leans away from him
1: exactly she's <laughs> trying she's trying, she knows that the haters are going to like grab that mm-hmm. and so when they see stuff like that they're like well it's esp
2: <laughs> that's such and a you're weird. like
1: okay <laughs> so they're cognitively deficient
2: mm-hmm. but they have
1: extrasensory perception yeah.
2: It's a
0: joke. I mean, all you do is laugh.
1: That's what they're down to. You know. Yeah. You know, I think the movie, well, whatever. I think that I think that Jamie's spelling on a mounted board in that movie with Don Marie Mm -hmm. sitting next to him. You know, again, of which we have like probably three hours of footage with three different cameras running the whole time. Like if you're still a skeptic after watching that, I really I can't help you. Yeah. No anymore. I don't need to help you. It's not your job, yeah. No, you're useless to us. You're just, you're just a hater. You know, you're not, you're, it's religious. It's not like I'm open to new information. You're just a, you're just a zealot. So whatever.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things I pointed out at the Q and a at the end that I want people to understand is, um, unlike Jamie, my son has significant motor planning issues. He was hypotonic as a baby. And so he definitely, I've never heard the term ocular apraxia. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. He most certainly has that you can tell how exhausted he is um, just with pointing his finger and moving his eyes and he'll tap next to a letter. Like, I mean, it's very clear what he wants that letter, but he taps close to it a few times, but he can't use the stencil. He's never been able to hold a pencil. So he can't like for a long time and poke it through the letters. So we've always used foam boards. And, you know, for us, it took three years to get from the three boards to now the 26 board. And then, you know, we're at semi-open communication, not full open. Um, and we'll get there. but every every person has a different journey. So I don't want people to be discouraged if their their child is not moving from the phone boards or the stencil boards right to the keyboard within a month. if they don't have motor planning issues, then that might be a possibility. but don't give up. I mean, we're never giving up and it's been three years and and he likes to spell. he doesn't fight yeah. me. He, he doesn't he no. wants to do it.
2: No,
1: and so, and, and so, you know, first of all, I I affirm everything that you've said, um, and um, I I think it also highlights the the one thing that kills me is like the parent of a non-speaker who who hears about all this and they just sort of casually throw a board in front of their kid just to see with no training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like people, I am telling you, you you need to find an expert like like the number of little tweaks and ideas and intuition and whatever that like Elizabeth Vossler and Dana Johnson and Don Marie and Donna Estrada and Dana Woodhouse and all the amazing, they just happen to all be women, all the amazing women who have worked mm-hmm. with my son, um, I could never have done that on my own. You, you've yeah. got to leverage people's expertise and it's particularly true when you have a kid who's struggling more either with motor or regulation, which many, many of our kids are. Yeah. I mean, Jamie has a really great friend here in town. He needs a 30-minute OT session, a very intense physical exercise before he can even consider sitting down to spell. Yep. I know. Well, many guess what? Like that. An expert figured that out. And so that's just part of their routine. That's mm-hmm. part of how they do their thing. And like, take heart, people, like the stroke victim analogy holds true on everything. They can improve. They may not all be piping on mounted keyboards, but as as we say, the ones who can get to independent mounted boards, they're the guardians of the ones who can't because they right. validate the method. So, like, I feel a responsibility with Jamie to help him get there to protect those who can't for their method to still be viewed as valid because that's right. what happens. The whole ecosystem, becomes validated by, by the ones at the very outer edge of it. So, so yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. We just (laughs) got to stick together. I know. And I mean, in ours, she, we don't have a lot of people. I think that was the other thing that was brought up at the end is that, um, you know, people are frustrated because now they're, they're moved to want to try this. And there's so few spelling to practice spelling to communicate practitioners out there. Like ours is in Tennessee and we live in Indiana. So, um, she came up, but the thing about most of them that I've learned, most of the practitioners want so badly to help you and to, you know, initiate your kid into this program, they'll come to you. She came for the weekend and got a hotel and, you know, worked yeah. with him three times a day for the weekend and then trained us on how I can be his communication partner and I'm his communication partner. And then we just do Zoom sessions. You know, we were doing those every twice a week until now I pretty much can just do it without that and i'll check in with her and have her watch me and make sure that i'm holding my body correctly and you know that i'm not doing things wrong
1: yeah you know and and there are way more crps in the world than there were before our book came out yeah way more right now Mm -hmm. Um, i'm a big fan of market mechanisms supply and demand you know there's a woman i I live in portland oregon Mm -hmm. um I'm looking out the window at a beautiful day and there's a woman in my neighborhood here who has no connection to non-speakers at all. And she read the book and it captured her. And she decided that this was her calling. And she went through the CRP training course, which is offered at I-ASC. You can sign up for it. I ASK, the International Association of Spelling to Communicate. IASC.org. And um, there's now a four-woman um, group called the Northwest Spelling Alliance, right? It started with Dana Woodhouse, who was an original speller who has a son. Um, then our former nanny got involved. Uh, then another woman who'd been highly trained in all this stuff got involved. And then this woman from our neighborhood got involved. And now there's four of them. And they're they're doing amazing work here in town. And... Um, Create that community wherever you are. The, the The other thing that I don't think people appreciate that happens when you're when your son starts to spell is there's all these other spellers and they really want to hang out together. And you can have this, I mean, San Diego, the community down there is a beautiful thing, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's, a lot of, uh, there's plenty of out-of-towners, but there's plenty of in-towners who Don Marie has. And so you go down there and you feel like you've found your people, you know? And so if you're geographically in a place that, is a desert for that kind of thing. Build it. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. And what greater gift could you give your own child than community as well? What greater gift than friendship and community? And so, um, I, I hope that the movie sets a new forest fire to that idea. And I I've seen people, um, like this neighbor of mine just become overwhelmed by the beauty of this topic. my, my sister has caught the fever, <laughs> uh, my niece. My niece is Casey Knoll who does now Don Marie's, she does online classes in science and math for Don Marie. And, and Casey was, my niece is young and she was following in the footsteps of her mom to be a teacher. And, and then this thing happened to her cousin and she realized like what what could be more rewarding been reaching this population this marginalized group who've been trudging along dealing with our collective idiocy for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I really I really take heart and you know honestly you like taking the time to like hold that movie in your community like I think it just planted a bunch of seeds. I hope so. You're going to have you're going to have trees in a few years and this will be like the seed planting ceremony because I believe in the inherent goodness of humans. I think there's a lot of good people in the world and I've seen how touching this whole thing is for them because, because it's, it's not right. It's not right. What's it's just not right. You know, that Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what's happened to these kids. It's just not right. I don't care why you think they're the way they are. It doesn't even matter. It's just not right. You know, and good people see that. And then if they're in a position to help, I mean, what's more rewarding, right? Yeah we all we all benefit humans from serving other people and seeing them have joy but there's nothing like doing it for a population that has been posed beyond you know so i'm just um, so
0: grateful for your book and the movie and i think now that people have seen the movie and the biggest uh reveal of the movie is going to be on the 30th which after we record it'll it'll already have, have happened but um there's you know how many national showings going on in the country on the 30th of april Hundreds. Well, and virtual. I,
1: and... I have to tease a little bit, Lori, because that's not even nearly the biggest reveal. The biggest reveal is not yet publicly known. So, gotcha.
2: But well, I know,
1: yeah. But, <laughs> it's but a movement. April 30th, April 30th is um, roughly 200 simultaneous, yeah. you know, simultane- within the same yeah. day or same yep. couple of days, but mostly on the 30th, yeah. roughly 200 showings around the world um you know lisa and i are holding a friday night of 180 and a sunday night of 180 people just here in town mm-hmm. that northwest Valley alliance is also having two separate shows like there's so i i'd say it's it's safe to say that like 10,000 people will watch the movie on april 30th and you know that's the kind of power that like can change can change things i mean yeah. you've probably seen for yourself i mean some people when they're and and i think i think the book is very effective but the movie is maybe 20 times more effective because mm. you know seeing is believing not everybody reads whatever words you want to use um i think that it will consume people in a good way good people will feel compelled to act after seeing this for themselves and realizing the scale of the injustice and the scale of the need and so um yeah. and you know like it's funny like um I really just feel like a member of the messenger army. Like I didn't invent any of this. And, um, I suppose that maybe like I had one gift like to be able to write or whatever, or, you know what I mean? Like, so Mm -hmm. we each, we each have like gifts, like you're doing this podcast. Like we each have like gifts. Um, and, and so we just kind of do our part, but like we were given this great gift. I mean, Elizabeth Vossler, um, gave Jamie the gift of belief in him you know I didn't do that she did that you know and we dedicated the book to her because she sat there and looked at him and said I believe in you and you can do this and I know you're smart you know like like so there's all these like magical wonderful amazing people and you know everyone everyone's always like well you don't give RPM enough credit you know and Soma and this and that I'm like I don't know them yeah <laughs> you
2: know I didn't do it. Yeah.
1: What do you want me to say? But like, you know, there are some pioneers who deserve all the credit. And and so like, whoever you are, just like take your gift forward, you know, Mm -hmm. with these amazing non-speakers, like Jamie and I are just two messengers. And like the movie is filled with other amazing messengers. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I
2: was
0: just going to say, that's kind of the point, you know, after, after our showing, people can't unsee that now they can't, not acknowledge the fact that this is a real thing. And, and a lot of the people there with Michelle and I hosting know that our two sons spell and have the same practitioner. So I want people to ask me more questions. I want to use my, my book that I wrote too, and the platforms that we have to continue to spread the message as much as I can too. Um, Because I just, I, my hope is that Skyler and all non-spellers will become independent so that when I'm no longer here to sit next to him and be his spelling partner, his communication partner, that wherever he is, he's able to communicate his needs and his wants and his desires with other people who acknowledge it and,
2: yeah.
0: you know, take his keyboard with them and all of that. That's my goal before well, I pass away. Totally. And I, I
1: really hope, I really hope that the film also, um, it just it's it it sort of normalizes our kids for the lay person because you know uh people with autism are scary to lay people, especially mm-hmm. if they have like mannerisms and
2: mm-hmm. I don't think
1: that people are um mean spirited if they're kind of put off or nervous or whatever um because it's it, I understand that it's different and foreign and i I wasn't any better prior to having a son with autism, so I don't judge people but um but I think that um, the movie does all non-speakers a gift of asking them to be seen and treated differently. And and Jamie takes great pleasure in being treated like a normal person, you know. And more people are doing that, you know. In our community here in Portland, most people have read our book, and because of that, when we're out and about, most people look Jamie in the eye and talk to him because they <laughs> they have made the they've made the psychological leap. To understand that Jamie is an intact cognitive being who simply can't respond. And, and and it's beautiful. And I'm very gratified by that gift that the book has given Jamie. And hopefully the movie will do the same for many, many non-speakers to normalize the way that they are treated. And I, I think that the way we treat people with autism in the world has has improved a ton in the time that even Jamie's been alive, you know? Like, it's a really cool thing. You know, part of it is because there's just so many of them and that's kind of tragic, but, but like in general, people treat people with autism with respect. I think I, 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 it's rare that we have a bad interaction anymore. When Jamie was three or four, we would have them pretty often. We don't have many anymore. and, And hopefully this will even move that needle further along where, where people really just come up and talk to Jamie directly and, you know.
0: Yeah. As a 21 year old. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, as, as we kind of conclude here, is there one thing that you um, can recall that Jamie, when he first started spelling and was able to communicate to you guys, just his thoughts that he said to your wife or his siblings that um, just pretty much moved everybody and was like, you know, overwhelmed. No, like that is my brother. That is my son. Because, As a mom, the one thing I just want to hear from my son that he loves me. He's never said the word mom. He's never spoken a word. And I just, I can't imagine what that would feel like to say something to his mother that she has longed for him to to say or his siblings. Well,
1: yeah. So, you know, a couple of things, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to every parent with a non-speaker out there, uh, Mm -hmm. let's just get this one over with. They love you
0: i know i know
1: they love you
0: i need validation sometimes though. they love you
1: <laughs> they love you so much they see you they see your pain they see how hard you're working like like it's not even a question you know what i mean and i know that we all want to hear that but i'm here to tell you that that's a guarantee that you will and um as a parent And I know that every parent relates to this. Well, while it was certainly gratifying for Jamie to tell me that he loved me. And you heard my dad talk about it in the movie Mm -hmm. that it felt good to be appreciated, right? That for my father, that was a great reward to know that Jamie had noted that my dad cared about him, right? That, That really meant, you know, when my dad is gone someday, It comforts me to know that he knows that Jamie appreciated him, you know? But, but, far more moving and important for me as a parent, and I know that you relate to this, I know that every other parent does too, is that when Jamie has told us that he feels joy and that he feels motivation and that he feels excitement about his future, that's what we as parents, like we want them to love us, but we really actually just want them to be happy
2: mm-hmm. right
1: we just want them to have a joyful life like we would die for them to have a joyful life right like yep. any of us take the pill right now in exchange for this your child will have a joyful life oh okay pill take it <laughs> right we're good yeah and so um there was a time when i was like really trying to get in jamie's head and like for example i wanted to know like are you anxious all the time you know what i mean like like are you put pu- are you plagued with Um, really loud ruminating thoughts and like agitated and whatever. And he was like, no, I can be totally calm and happy. And, you know, I was like, phew, you know, and then, and then as, as he started to appreciate what this new tool was going to do for opening up the range of opportunities in his life to tell me how much joy and excitement he felt about that and to show it, that was by far the most rewarding thing. That's that's everything because you know, Lori, you're sitting there thinking, shit, what is he gonna do?
2: Uh-huh.
1: How is he gonna have a joyful and meaningful life? That's all we care about. Uh-huh. So knowing that Jamie has wings if I died tomorrow, that's, that's probably the most comforting thing. Yeah. And, and, and that in his lifetime, and in this case he has a very long life still to live, he's being seen and known for who he is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's no longer his secret, right? Cause that's yeah. such a, just such an intense thought, right? They're all sitting on this secret. Well, so I can cruel.
0: imagine people around them can interact with them more clearly. I'm sure his siblings were always including him and around, but now that they know so much it's about different. him, they just don't know, didn't know their brother as well as they probably wanted to. And now they it's, all. It's
1: different. Yeah. 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 So those, uh, those are the things yeah, that I've, I've held on to the most. And of course I see it now. Like we go down to Don Bree once a month. Well, on the morning of that trip, I mean, he's jumping out of his, you know, he's like, you know, when he That's sees awesome. her, when he sees his friends, like, yeah, again, all we really want to do is revel in our children experiencing joy. Yeah.
0: Oh man. It's so beautiful. So you maybe can't say, but after all of these screenings, will there potentially be an opportunity for the masses to see the film that didn't make it to a yeah. virtual or an in-person screening? Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I want to, I'm not going to give the details because I'm not going to yeah. spoil the film that will, Will you'll be aware of it like soon after April 30th. But, okay, um, you know, navigating, you know, writing a book is like so much easier than doing a movie. I and, think so you too. Know, <laughs> you put it on Amazon, people buy yep. it, they read it, yippee-doo, you do a few interviews, you move on. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a movie, it's like, what do we do with this thing now? We enter film festivals, we don't, we get distribution, we don't. The great thing about being a part of this movie is that um, money is not a motivator at all for anybody who funded the movie. And it wasn't cheap to put the movie together. But luckily, we had a lot of generous people behind it and none of them care about getting their money back. And so, um, you know, when we asked the collective question of all the people involved with the movie, what, what is your goal with this film? The goal is for the film to be seen by as many human beings as possible. And Mm -hmm. so that dictates all of the actions that we will take from this moment forward on the film. And um, the reason that April 30th was so important to us was a feeling that um, there, there needed to be a communal component to the movie because that's how you plant the seeds. Bunch of people sit in a room and have all this feeling together. That's really hard to shake and it really does spur action. I don't mind that people are also doing online screenings. It beats nothing, but there's nothing like the physical together. And so we really wanted to create that in as many environments as possible. And we love giving people who are in the spelling world this opportunity to tell the story in a different way to their community than maybe people had understood before and then to act upon that. But once that's all done, we are hyper focused on ensuring that everybody in every part of the world can see the film.
0: That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I look forward to that. Well I will be watching closely. So yeah, I can't you know,
1: it. The, the the only resistance I'm getting to kind of just blowing it out of the box where everybody can watch it is like the the practitioners because they're like, <laughs> you know, I'm yes. already running out of room. Yeah. I mean you know you know, but I
0: can see that. I kind of
1: shrug my shoulders and go, that's where the market will.
0: It's a good problem to have.
1: It is. It is. And I, listen, if you're one of those parents and you're, you're in line and you're frustrated because you, you know, you want to do this tomorrow. I understand your impatience. I was you once, but like, don't worry, you'll get there and then you have a lifetime. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Whether they were tomorrow or a year from now, then you have a lifetime. So, well, there.
0: from the bottom of my heart, tell Jamie, thank you. Just thank you so much. Skylar thanks him. I thank him and all the people out there, the non-spellers, thank him and all of his friends for, you know, forging this, this, this path and this mission to make sure that everybody has access to communication. That's I the basic, him. right? I
1: yep. no, he, yeah. uh, this is what matters most to him is helping other people like him. And so um, I will definitely let him know.
0: He's doing it. Well, thank you so much, JB. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life, and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.